0: Welcome to the Alberta Wedding Podcast, a platform for Alberta wedding professionals and couples to connect, learn, and share ideas. I'm your host, wedding videographer Kevin Marr. With over 100 weddings behind me, I'm your guide to all things weddings in this great province of ours. Well, this is going to be a really fun week here on the podcast because I have my good friend Nicole here with Sugar Plum Couture Events. Nicole, how are you doing?
1: Good, good.
0: (laughs) We've known each other for a few years now, and we've had some opportunities to work together, which has been just absolutely amazing. And I just really love the journey you've been on, uh, even since I've known you. But I know that journey goes a while back. I'm really excited for you to share with our listeners just exactly how you got into wedding planning and just the evolution of that.
1: So I've been in a wedding planner for 15 years, which is outrageous, but it's literally the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And the only thing I've ever done. So when I was eight years old, I was watching this movie and it had this, it was like a some like 1930s or so movie. And it had this beautiful woman and she was getting married and she was walking down the stairs and her hair and her dress and her flowers and everything was just bouncing as she was walking down the stairs. And to me, that was like the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, one day I'm going to do that. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew that's what I wanted to, like, that's all I was thinking about for like the rest of my life. But not as in, like, I want to be a, wed- a bride. I want to get married. It was like, I want to do that. I want to create that moment. Yeah.
0: Oh, I want to plan that person's wedding.
1: That's all I thought was like, I saw people helping her and I was like, that's what I want to do. And where I grew up, Like nobody had money and like we're in a small town and wedding planners wasn't a thing. Like when we had weddings, it was just like everybody went to a barn, had a bunch of food, got, had a band. And then that was it. That was the wedding. And so I didn't even know what this was, but that's what I wanted to do. So my dad, he would go like once a month to the corner stores. The first time he ever went, he went to a corner store and he said, like, do you have any wedding magazines that you want to get rid of that you're getting rid of because the new ones are coming out? And can I take them? And they said, no problem. They gave him a huge case of magazines, wedding magazines that were all off the rack, all expired. So he brought this magazine, this box of magazines home for me. And every month after that for years, until probably I was 12 or 13, every month he'd bring another case of wedding magazines. And it was the best thing ever. I would just sit in my room for like hours and hours and hours, just flipping through the pages, like imagining what these people, what they did for work, who they hung out with, what they smelled like, what their hair felt like, what their clothes, what, what they did outside of their wedding, like what clothes they wore, how they got to work. It was like I was manifesting the entire thing. Like every time I would turn a page, it would take like another 45 minutes. And that's all I did for like years and years and years. So when I graduated, I was like, I'm blowing this popsicle stand. And I left Saskatchewan and I went to Toronto, which was like, people told me it was a black hole and they'd never see me again.
0: (laughs) I'm from Toronto originally.
1: (laughs) So I I went there, I went to school there. uh, I took business. I ended up working with somebody, an affluent person in the community there who was had a friend whose daughter was getting married. And they said, like, can you do this for us? And of course, I jumped at it. And I needed a way for them to pay me. So I had to open a business. <laughs> so I started Sugar Plum Events. Now it's Sugar Plum Couture Events. But and that's how they paid me. So that's how I started 15 years ago. And here I am. I've been busting my ass for 15 years. And that's about the foundation of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I want to go back to those early days again, you know, when you were A preteen and girls are like just like it's such an interesting time for girls and boys and just like in general in life right a lot of things are changing i can't imagine someone that i knew like them just being like fascinated about like wedding planning like I, i could see them like wanting to get married themselves and have this big wedding and but how was i guess growing up with you know being in a small community and you had these small girl, but big city dreams. How was it like going through that? Like, was there any challenges? Obviously, I mean, I know. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, like it was suffocating. Like for me, like mentally, my whole life, I knew I didn't want to be on a farm. (laughs) I didn't want to be a farmer. I didn't want a mediocre life. Like I just wanted something bigger and fancier and better. And not because I didn't feel like I was living with it enough. I just wanted to do something really brilliant. And I loved creating. I was really a creative kid. And I always was creating like all sorts of, just designs or like for events and stuff like that. But what I really loved is creating a space that was like a day or a, a, like a pause in time that only existed in your mind. I loved creating that, whether it was like a drive-in movie for a bunch of kids in the in the area or whatever it was. I just loved creating a space where the rest of the world didn't exist. So like whatever they wanted to be in that space was what they got to be. And I loved that. And I knew I wanted to do that just on a way bigger scale, whether it was galas, weddings, whatever, but weddings always kind of had my thing. So I mean, even when I saw that woman walking down the stairs with her dress, like all I saw was like the layers and the stitching and how her hair was put up and like all the pins in there. Like I, every little detail of how she was put together was like beautiful to me. And that's all I wanted. But yeah, it was suffocating because it feels like the ceiling's really low and it feels like you're in a box and Mm -hmm. people don't, when you're coming from that community, people don't understand big dreams. Like when I was a kid, we didn't go further than Winnipeg and that was it. And we never, ever came towards Edmonton. Like we only stayed in Saskatchewan and that was normal for everybody. Like people weren't traveling anywhere and it wasn't like a money thing people just weren't going farmers and stuff so it's like you just grew up in a box and like you didn't have people didn't understand what you wanted to do they didn't understand how that would be a job they didn't understand those dreams and like why you'd want to leave a farm so a lot of people when I left were like they were miffed <laughs> they, for years and, I was gonna ask
0: if there was any backlash to-
1: oh yeah I mean even now you still have residual parts of that but people really had this idea like, oh, she thinks she's better than us. And she's gone to Toronto. Oh, big girl. She went to Toronto. And like, it was a lot of stank eye for like a very, very long time. (laughs) My dad just kept saying, just go do your thing. Go do better than we're doing. And like, that's all that he would say. So I did. And I just sucked it up and let people say whatever (laughs) they wanted to. So I ended up relying a lot on people in the city and like colleagues that I had there. And even now, I still have to be surrounded by people who have bigger dreams than I do and people who've, who have who've come from a place that I was, who are in a place that I am now and where who have dreams as big as I have. And if I'm not around those people with these massive dreams, I feel like I'm already suffocating, even in Edmonton. Yeah, it's kind of like, maybe I need a counselor. <laughs> I, need a
0: therapist. <laughs> I think anyone that works in this industry uh, needs to have a therapist <laughs> on uh, speed dial. But um, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from when it comes to like, surrounding yourself with people of Mm like-minded goals and dreams like I've always been a a big dreamer myself and over the years like I've I've unfortunately had to cut ties with certain people in my life whether it's friends or family because like you I mean I I wasn't satisfied with just like being content Mm -hmm. or just like being pigeonholed into what I was supposed to do like going and work at like a nine-to-five job in a cubicle for like 30 years get a good pension mm-hmm. and then retire and then that's it right like that was never who I was meant to be
1: people too they're always be like what are you trying to do be famous and like I'm not trying to be famous I'm just trying to be a legend and you can't be a legend when you're sitting in a cubicle nine to five doing your thing like <laughs> and I want like my footprint you know yeah <laughs> I
0: hear you so when do you think was the really big turning point in your early days as get in planning you know that was there that one wedding that really like open the floodgates for you guys or was there like a certain like year that really was just like a defining year for you
1: well when I first moved to Edmonton the first thing I did I think it was like the second day I lived here I had they had the Edmonton event awards at that time and I remember I knew absolutely nobody and I thought I'm going to move to Edmonton I am going to be a rat race and because to me this was like a big city and so I sat at the back of this room with the very back row and I was watching people win these awards and I watched like their The groups they were in, the clicks that they had and how they supported each other and somehow they didn't. And I thought, like, if I can win one of these awards, like, I'll know I did it. And then the next year, I won an award for best startup event of the year. And it was like, I was the only one crying during the thing, And I was like, "Ah," there was no speech or anything. Take that, haters. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, nobody was hating me. But to me, it was huge because I was like, people are probably only winning this because they know people know who they are and whatever it is. But it wasn't that. Like, it was peers that voted and they voted just on the work that they saw. And then, like, I was so proud of myself. So I think that really gave me the confidence. And then really it was like during COVID. So COVID happened. I had never worked so many hours in my life for so little money. It was outrageous. It was horrible. And I just, if I knew, I mean, I probably still would have kept my head down and kept working, but like I worked a lot and I just knew I was never going to work that hard again ever in my life. So mm-hmm. really it was just since the beginning of COVID, like I was doing fine before then, but my business looked a lot different. After that, I was like, why am I working so many weddings a year for so little money that isn't actually covering my time? And it's not in al- it's not aligned with the service I'm providing. Like what I was doing was an exceptional service for people, but I was being paid like not even close to what I should have been paid. And I would have other colleagues mm-hmm. who are getting paid the amount that I should have been getting paid. So you have at the end of this year, you're like, why did I make $60,000 less than somebody else? when I'm offering the same service. So it really kicked me in the butt and I just stuck with it and I worked through COVID and then, but I knew after COVID was done, like I was never going to go back to that. So I kind of just had this, this mentality of like, I have, if I want something that nobody else here has, nobody else in Saskatchewan has, whatever it is, I have to be willing to do things that these people aren't willing to do. And it wasn't to like overextend myself or work more hours. And I wasn't trying to be a hustle culture. It was just like, what was I willing to do? So like hitchhiking. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but like when I had to hitchhike from New York to Boston to catch a flight to Dallas on time.
0: That was a crazy story. Things
1: like that. Other people would have been like, screw it. I'm going home. This just didn't work out to me. I was like, no way in hell did I work that hard through COVID to get to the place I'm at right now to crap the bed right now. (laughs) So so we hitchhiked all the way to Boston. And like, it's just things like that, like that really shifted my perspective of how my work ethic and how the service that I was offering, which is really that is just that like It's not so much that I'm a great designer, I'm a really great planner. I'm offering a service and the service that I'm willing to offer is something that I don't know anybody else who's offering a service like that. Like, I don't know anybody else who would hitchhike to Boston to catch a flight to get to your wedding on time. (laughs) So COVID, COVID did it to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with COVID, obviously there was a lot of bad that came out of it, Mm -hmm. but I think to it really forced everyone to look at themselves in the mirror and really see where they are with their own lives, um, see as themselves, who they are as a person, really, and and really do that self-audit and evaluate what was really important and where you wanted to go. I mean, it it definitely gave people an opportunity to really take a step back and look at things with a much wider lens. Mm Yes. And I think for you, like, you're definitely one of the people that I, I really think of that really saw this as not a setback, but as a, as an opportunity mm-hmm. to skyrocket to where you're at now.
1: Mm-hmm. And it really did. Do, like where I'm at in my business now, I didn't think I'd get to with, I thought it would take me 10 years and it wasn't so as pessimistic. It was just logically speaking, how the business would grow. That's how long it would take. And I did that within COVID years because I was just balls to the wall about it. So yeah, there's a lesson. <laughs>
0: So before COVID, how many weddings were you doing on average a year?
1: Oh God, I was doing like 30, 35 weddings a year.
0: And was that solo or did you have a team with you or what did your business look like?
1: Before COVID, I was doing a lot of, I was doing full planning and design, but the majority of my work was all volume and it was all month of coordination. So I'd work with couples for whatever, six to 12 months. Well, it was really, I guess I'd be working with those couples for like 12 weeks before their weddings. But it was, so they it was always go, 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 go. And like, it was complete chaos and I loved it. And then I was like, what is this? Why are we doing this? And when everybody stopped during COVID and they're making sourdough bread and I was still like
0: <laughs> going at it. We love sourdough bread. Yeah, like-
1: no haters against the sourdough bread. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? I cannot be doing this. Like I could do a fraction of the weddings, the weddings that I'm capable of doing that. I have a skill set and the education to do the certifications to do. And mm-hmm. be making the same amount of money. So I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this ever again. Plus then when COVID shut when COVID shut everything down too, it makes you realize too, why have I been delaying vacations and beach days with my kid when like, why am I working like this? It's just not for me. And I get it, some people they really love the day of stuff and they love the hustle of fifty weddings a year. To me, I don't want any couple falling through the crack and I don't want any couple feeling like they didn't get my complete and utter undivided uh, attention throughout their planning process. So I knew I had to shift that because I wasn't offering the service that I wanted to offer and it felt cheap. It always felt cheap. Like they come and go and that was it. They just kept coming and going. And even though I still have good relationships with a lot of those people, it just wasn't the relationship that I wanted. Yeah. So out the window that went.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's about that experience, right? From uh, the minute that they see your, your profile online or wherever to that inquiry to all the way to the end. Right. It's that whole journey. I'm curious to know pre-COVID, what were your prices like? Like, what were you charging then? With being a, a volume brand, I know that it differs depending on like if they were just wanting you for a day of, and there's also the, the design aspect. And
1: COVID was only like three years ago. At that time, I remember because I had booked somebody like two years in advance, and so that was so bad. I can't believe I'm going to say this out so loud. Like one wedding I did was like four hundred dollars. I'm not even joking. $440 with tax. So whatever that was before tax, it was so bad and so stupid. And it's just, I can't even believe I said it out loud, but now it's on the internet forever. Um, (laughs) I don't know how I got to that point or what even happened, but that was probably just the runoff of when I first moved here. And I was like, boiled my portfolio, but now, I mean, my couples are like the average price that my couples are paying are like at least $20,000 because I'm a percentage based model and it's over and I have bigger weddings and higher, higher end weddings, luxury weddings. So, I mean, looking back after a couple of years, I could have never imagined at that time when I'm making 440, like those weddings were literally costing me money, how I went through business, how I went through all my certifications, how I've gone through all the mentorships that I've had to get to the point where I literally let somebody pay me that I don't understand. But yet I still gave them the same service that I would give anybody else was pay me 20 grand. So yeah. that needed to end. That was the one that I think broke. I think during that wedding, I was like, "What am I even doing?" Like, I felt burnt out, but I'm still giving people everything I had. It was just not good.
0: (laughs) I think we all have those aha moments, or oh
1: yeah, four hundred dollars will do that to you.
0: You know, something is going. You know, on the day of, and and you really like look around. It's like, "What am I doing?" And obviously, like as you mentioned, you were treating that wedding and that couple just like a twenty thousand dollar wedding. But you know, in the end all the work that went into it, it is a lot of work, a lot of time and, and effort that goes into it and, and dedication. And it's its not just a cookie cutter system you have here. It's you really put all your yourself into each of these couples and uh, to give them that experience that they d- dreamed of.
1: Yeah. And I really thought at the time, I'm like, what am I giving up to have this? Like at this point to work this many hours for this much money, I may as well go work at my Walmart, make way more money. Because that, like these people, people cutting their grass was making more money than I made off that wedding. Like it was so ridiculous. So I always and I was in business for a long time. So that was uh, that's a sore spot.
0: <laughs> I can relate because you know during COVID I thought it would be a a good idea to launch a volume videography and photography brand on top of mm-hmm. my boutique brand that I had built so strongly over the years. And I was going to hire associates that were going to shoot under us. And then we were going to edit it all. Well, I realized that real soon that it was a flawed plan. And (laughs) it created so much headache and burnout. And Mm -hmm. it was a huge learning opportunity for me. And I've still been reeling from that even to this day, because I've been still editing uh, some of the weddings from last year that were from that previous brand that uh and so yeah i can totally get it and you know sometimes you have to learn the hard way
1: (laughs) it becomes tools.
0: it does (laughs) absolutely right so how are things looking right now like what's the experience that you give your couples now because i know as you talked about before it's it's more than just a day it's it's really like everything that they see they smell uh, they touch and and it's that whole journey. Mm-hmm. What is your business looking like today? And I'm curious to know like maybe what you charge now mm-hmm. uh, compared to uh, then.
1: So now my business is 100% full planning and design. I don't take on any month of couples. So I, I work with six to eight couples a year. So depending on how big those weddings are, that gives me enough time to work with the people and to be available to them and how be accessible to them and the lifestyle that they're accustomed to. And I love it. I love being of service. I love getting to know them. I love always talking to them. I love that it's so high touch. So some people will do it where it's like milestone meetings. Like, don't keep all your um, your questions for me until the milestone meeting. To me, I'd rather than message me at 3 o'clock in the morning. And if I'm up, I have no problem messaging them because they're not losing sleep now. You know, they can just get it off their mind. They feel great. They feel taken care of. They go back to sleep. Everybody's good. Like, I don't mind at all when people people are WhatsApping me, DMing me, um, like, Texting, email, calling, it's literally everything. Snapchat. I don't know how to do Snapchat, but maybe. <laughs> I hoping my demographic has evolved past Snapchat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I really love having like the high touch point for clients. So and it's not about the hustle culture. It's about the relationship that we have and the support that we have for each other. And I love watching that grow and evolve. And I'm so much better for it because when the more I know about these couples, the more I even like knowing what they argue about, knowing what they celebrate, knowing the things they do on the weekend and things that make them tick, that just makes everything I do that much better. The way I produce a wedding is that much better. The way I blend the music, the way, the details of the wedding, the food that we have, every single thing is so, it's so custom to just them that it's not like nothing is just, okay, well, we have to have flowers on the table and we need to have a meal and we can make it chicken and beef. And like, nothing like that is cookie cutter, like when we do these things. So it's all the experience and the service of that. Most of my weddings are, Higher end or luxuries, which are very different from each other. But so that's what they're already accustomed to. That's what they want. And oh, I just love it. <laughs> Work with a lot of moms too.
0: Yeah, for sure. How would you describe like the premium market to luxury? Because as you mentioned, they are two different things and with different needs and, and different challenges. Yeah.
1: So premium or like the high end weddings is like expensive weddings that look really, really beautiful. And we like you put a lot into them. And that's kind of where where it stays. Luxury is a whole different thing because it's a lifestyle. So a luxury wedding might not even look like something on Pinterest, which, by the way, like people say like, oh, that's Pinterest. It's not real life, which is crap because it absolutely is real life. Some are just style tables, but this is real life in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. And telling couples that, telling planners that that that's not real life is so unfair and it's such a disservice to this industry. And I can't stand that. So first and foremost, there's that (laughs) off my chest.
0: Tell us how you really feel. Yeah,
1: that's great. Right. <laughs> Stop saying that. Yeah, so the luxury market is a lifestyle. So, like, if they want to go get married on, like, Mick Jagger's Island, that's what they want. Like, they want what they want, and they're willing to pay for what they want. If they want to go to the Ritz Yacht, then we're going to the Ritz Yacht. Like, they just don't care what the cost is, and they just want what they want to have, and they want to offer the experience of that. It's not so much about the biggest cake, the fanciest dress, the biggest floral install. Like, I'm doing a wedding in at the Hotel Ritz in Paris next Sunday. No big deal. (laughs) And that itself doesn't have huge installs. Like this is a luxury lifestyle. It's a luxury wedding. They like the lifestyle of how the the service that they get at the Ritz, the the, the food, how it melts in their mouth, the way every single guest is treated when they walk through that door. Like that's what they love about it. And so you won't see big floral installs. You'll just see really delicate, beautiful lifestyle, like luxury lifestyle when you walk in that room. So there's a huge difference. So those ones wouldn't necessarily make it to Pinterest uh, or even on people's grids, I guess. But that's the difference. So high-end is like, let's go to JW and fill it with flowers and glossy things, which is amazing, but it's just a very different situation from luxury. Even high-end weddings, like they're budgeting for this and they're, they're saying, okay, we put together $200,000. We want to have a really high-end, beautiful wedding. And they're going to have that. And it's going to be outrageously gorgeous. And we can create all sorts of experiences within that, but that's just not the same thing as somebody who wants a lifestyle of luxury.
0: Yeah. And I think too, like even within that, like when people think luxury or, you know, high-end that there's always thinking like ballroom weddings and that's not always the case i mean you can have some really like luxurious outdoor weddings that are very maybe unorthodox maybe or, or maybe different and unique that maybe don't fall into that pattern of what people think and they see you know in the magazines right
1: oh yeah yeah exactly
0: walk me through when someone does reach out to you when you, your couples do reach out to you walk me through the journey of like how you guide them through that whole process i know you touched on it a little bit already but i want to like dive into that a little bit deeper and and just really know like what are the things that you're really focusing on in those early stages of the getting to know and that and the discovery
1: the first thing i want to know first of all we have to love each other (laughs) because we're going to work together for like 12 to 18 months sometimes 24 months and i I want to know that when they see an email from me, they don't go, "Ugh, like, what does she want? You know, like, I want them to be excited when they see my name pop up. I want them to like all my stuff. I want them to DM and just tell me about their weekend. I want them to really like me. And I want to really like them too. Because if we don't have that relationship, it's horrid. Like, I don't want it. And it's never going to, it's, it just becomes a job at that point and not a passion. And I just, I'm not in it for it that way. So the first thing is we do a discovery call and that's really we'll talk for about half an hour just to get to know each other a little bit, just to understand what their hopes and dreams are for their wedding day. But through that conversation, you can really understand like how, what makes these people tick and they can, under- they can see my approach too. So, I mean, if they aren't feeling my energy of it all, and they're not really like, they're not jumping in with a hell yes, there's probably a better fit for them at that point. And same thing so. for me, like, we just really want to make sure that we're going to click so that we can really, really enjoy that whole thing. Cause that's the best. Oh, has
0: to be a perfect marriage, right? We're in the business of uh, weddings, right? It, it has to click.
1: Oh yeah, and like I want it to be that when thirty years from now, when they hear my name pop up, they smile. I don't want them to be like, oh yeah, I think that was our person, or like, oh I didn't love working with her. Like I want them to be like, oh I love that girl. But anyway, so the after we do that initial call and they they decide they want to go ahead and we want to work together, I only pick six to eight of those couples so that we can really make sure that we're giving that I'm giving that service. But the first meeting we have is like a dreamer kind of meeting. So I want to know everything about everything. Like I want to know all the things that they, like, I just want them to like, just vomit all their information at me because the more information I have and the more I can scale what it is that's important to them and what makes them tick in the experience that they want to offer their guests and what really matters to them in life, the better I can design an environment for them. So if that's towards luxury market, then I know what to do. If that's a high end, uh, high touch point experience, then I know what to do. But we do that. So we talk about like colors, even like things that they like, things that they don't like in colors, textures, that sort of stuff. So from there, I can create a design plan for them. So I sketch out all their designs based on a venue that I think is going to be a good fit. So I always pick a venue, a city, whatever it is, that's going to work with the design versus us just trying to like put up drapes and cover everything up at a a convenient location. I really encourage them to like take a space that's going to work with it. So if they want to go to... California and they want to get married there or they want to go to Paris and get married there then we should do that because there's a way and there's a good chance that out of that 300 person guest list they only like 50 people anyway so we can give them everything they want
0: don't tell the secrets (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, so we I create that design draft for them uh sketch it all out so they can see exactly how this is going to lay out I haven't gotten it wrong yet so (laughs) they usually see this and like holy crap how did you see inside our heads?
0: you're like a mind reader
1: yeah I really want that sketch to be like like we even talk about movies, like what scene in a movie or sound in a movie or what did you see? What have you ever been around? A coffee shop. Like what environment have you been in that to you was like, Everybody has that moment where you're just sitting there and you're like, wow, like this is it. This is the the pause in my life that I'm like always gonna remember, you know, like whether it's a sudden. I'm having that
0: right now, just so you know.
1: Oh, good, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I need to have that effect on more people. <laughs> I really love being able to when they look at that, like to them, it's what's only existed in their head at that point. And then somebody put it on paper and sketched it out and they're like, How the heck did you even do that? Oh, and yeah, it's like yeah. the best feeling ever when they're just like, they're just like, just do whatever you want. And
0: she listened. She gets me.
1: Yes, it's so good. And then We do that about 12 months, well, 10 months before the wedding. So before, between getting to know them and that design plan, like we kind of have a design draft meeting so I can think about it for a long time because I'm inspired not necessarily by like other wedding planners, designs or trends, but like on things I do and people that I meet, situations, movies, whatever it is. And just by like moving through life, I just think of like the most beautiful situation for these people. And I'm like, yes, we can do it that way. And like, so that's when it beautifully comes together and then I can really create a design plan for them. And that's why it's also so important to be so close to these people because as I'm seeing them out with their dog or, you know, a vacation they went on or they talk about grandpa who passed away 10 years ago and here's a thing they did as a kid. All of that is building this design plan. And it's so much more than just a palette and color-coding napkins at that point. So those are the couples that really, like, I thrive with and they they thrive with
0: me. Do couples typically know where they want to have their wedding, you know, when they are reaching out to you? Because you're not getting Couples that are just price shopping. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the couples that are coming to you. They see mm-hmm. your work. A lot of times it's probably re- through referral, even. Do they know roughly where they want to have their wedding already?
1: It used to be like that. I used to get a lot of referrals, like even from venues and stuff. But then I realized, like, I don't want to be at the same venue six times a year. It's just like going to suck the life out of me. Like, I want to keep going and building and growing and designing in new spaces. But it used to be that I would get that, whether it was coming from the venue or it was just the demographic of people I was attracting. But now it's not. Now it's people who followed me on Instagram for a long time. It's a photographer or videographer referring them because they're like, we really want to put like her designs on our grid or whatever it is. So it's so that's where they're coming from. And they, they're just like, they really have a mentality of like, tell us what we want. And it's the best like recipe I've ever seen. (laughs) So like, sometimes they're like, yeah, we kind of want to get married in Edmonton. But then by the time you're done with it, they're like, "Screw it, let's go to Virginia. Like they just, they trust me. And that's like the best. (laughs) The best equation for success.
0: It goes so far. You have to have that trust. I don't care at what level you are at in the wedding industry, whether you're a volume brand or the medium premium luxury, ultra luxury, you know, there has to be that trust there from the beginning. Yeah. And that starts with that discovery call, right? Because otherwise things will fall apart and there's going to be a lot of cracks in that foundation. Just like a marriage, right? Like yeah. there's no trust and there's no communication. It's it's not going to last very long.
1: Yeah. And that's what I want. Like I want people and I want everybody to book all their vendors based like that. Like I want them to come to me because they love how I interpret their people's visions. Like I want them to be like, that's not, that can't be commoditized. That's just for me. This is how I interpret their dreams. And I want them to come to me for that. And when they do come to me for that, that's when they trust me. And they're just like, well, we trust you. Like you're not going to screw this up and there's no micromanaging there's not like a million follow up emails like oh well show me what my napkin looks like exactly show me a mock up i have never in the last 3 years had one person say i want to see a mock up of my tablescape and like it's not even like i'm like get out of here don't like don't worry about it i am shocked all the time like i mean i think about it and i'm like how do these people like they really don't know what they're getting when they walk into their room but every time they walk in they're like holy crap this is so much better than we ever thought and that's because they just trust me and they just let me do my thing and I mean, respectfully, like I show them the design plan, I show them what I'm thinking of doing, but things do change, whether it's MIT's Fabric, go fabrics no longer available, or the decor company broke all of the chimneys for the, the taper candles, whatever it is, like things change constantly. But to have that, the freedom to design and move with, like, with the flow of things, just like that's, that propels all of us. So
0: trust, yeah. Do you find uh, as you're going through this? Because I know getting into the luxury market now over the last couple of years here, do you find now that at times like you have to almost have that imposter syndrome where it's like where sometimes you think it's like oh I can't believe like they trust me to do all this. They're not asking me questions. Like it's great that they trust me, but do you worry like if what if they don't like what I'm gonna show them and that they they're gonna find it on the day of and it's like well. Here it is. This is what we got. I do not have that.
1: And I know people listening to this going to be like, "To hell with you, you do too." And I swear to you, I do not have that. Because I think people I I just don't have an ego like that. Like it is what it is. Like when I interpret someone's design, like they know what they're going to get when they design it more or less, and if they're surprised when they get there, that's it's good surprises. It's never like, "Oh, I failed." Like I would never give somebody something that I wouldn't want for myself. I wouldn't give somebody something that I wouldn't be proud of. 20 other planners or designers standing in a room and judging it. Like I always create something that I'm like, I want people, the most critical people to stand here and be like, holy crap, like she nailed that. And so I always design with that in the back of my mind, even when there's changes and stuff. But imposter syndrome, no, I don't have that. (laughs) Because to me, I have always thought like, I grew up in a community where it's like, that's all they'd ever say is like, that's for everybody else. Even now, Pinterest. Oh, that's not real life. Everything that was around us, we're always saying that's not for us. That's for somebody else. And to me, I'm like, Right, but who's the somebody else? Because somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to, why tell an eight year old they can't be an Olympic gymnast? Because somebody's going to be a gymnast or an Olympian. Like, why would you tell anybody they can't? Because somebody is going to get that. Somebody's going to get that job. Somebody's going to get those six luxury clients a year. Somebody's going to get that wedding in Paris. Like, Why can't it be you? And the only difference is whether or not you're willing to put yourself in front of the people who want that thing that they want, because you're always, every single person is a solution to somebody else's challenge. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just the way it is. And if you have something about you that you're like, I am really good at this thing, that's your, you are the solution to a lot of people's challenge. Just put yourself in front of them and you're going to get it every single time. So to me, like, I don't have that, like, oh, maybe so-and-so is going to do better than me or somebody's going to like judge this. I truly don't care. I'm interpreting the way I interpret it and I'm proud of the way I interpret it.
0: Take it or leave it.
1: Oh yeah. And and, I mean, it is what it is. And if I'm very much subscribed to the fact that like anything people say and do, like I can take accountability and responsibility like nobody's business. And I don't think I would have got this far if I couldn't. But at the end of the day, sometimes things just have nothing to do with you. If people do say like, oh, I don't like that linen or whatever, do you? Or is it just that you had an argument with your maid of honor and like everything's chapping your butt right now? you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, you kind of have to take it not so personally. And like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Kind of on that same topic, what are some other challenges maybe that you've come across since getting into the luxury market now? Like, because there are challenges at every level. Yeah. They're just different, right? Yes. What are some of the ones that you've come across so far?
1: The biggest challenge is that I'm not from a luxury lifestyle. So the thing is like other people maybe were born and raised into that, into that old money and they can like, It's just easy for them. They're already surrounded by those people. They were surrounded by those referrals. So it comes a lot easier to them. They still have to prove themselves. They still have to do a good job and be able to manage a budget like that. But for me, I didn't have that connection. So I really had to put myself in front of the people that were already in that market and make those relationships in meaningful ways, not in superficial, like, I need something from you ways. Like, I needed to make those friendships. And the first one I ever made was when I was hitchhiking that wedding. I ended up being in a van with somebody who was also hitchhiking from our plane. And I got a call, like, a month later from Europe and it turns out this woman is a photographer for one of the royal families. And she said, we need to put a team together. And we need to know if you'll be okay going through security clearance and all this stuff. We, want, we need to do this event. And I need to put this, these people together. And I was like, I have no idea what's happening. But yes, let's do that. And that was how I got a foot in the luxury market in Europe. So had I not done that, had I not been willing to hitchhike to go to Dallas, <laughs> like I would have never met that person they would have never met me so hitchhiking
0: is I mean it's an option I mean this is uh... oh it
1: was a beautiful experience I mean the, the van was full of people who were on this plane that we got abandoned in New York and he's like this guy's like I got a buddy from Queens he's got a van he can drive you to Boston I'm like yeah let's do that
0: sounds legit I love it
1: yeah he's like a Turkish guy and his wife made us a bunch of Turkish food and we snacked all night and stayed up all night and drove to Boston through the middle of the night for 30 bucks worth of gas it was just the best thing ever <laughs> yeah, I really had to go and make those relationships that way and like put myself out there and reach out to these people. And a lot of times I think people are like, well, I'm not going to reach out to whatever (laughs) this big famous person, because who am I to do that? To me, I'm like, what do I have to lose? Like, I'm not going to look like an idiot and you'd be lucky to have me there. (laughs) Like everybody has something to offer and I want to learn. I need to learn more about huge installs and what they're doing in Europe and like the things I already have an affinity to. And if I busted my butt this much to get to the point I am now, like I'm not going to stop now. Like I may as well just keep doing that. So that was nice. <laughs> that was a nice connection
0: to make. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing how really putting yourself out there and like creating your own luck. Mm-hmm. People say, "Oh, they just got lucky." Well, I mean, you know, some people do get lucky, and then there's others like you and I that, you know, we create our own luck. You know, we
1: Oh,
0: I agree. we we see something that we want and we know like many others won't do what it takes to get there because it's hard or it's it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and people don't like to get out of those little comfort bubbles right and Mm -hmm. it is uncomfortable you know there's a lot of rejection out there there's but and there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make i mean i know for you like you've done a lot of traveling this year Mm -hmm. you've got a young family Mm -hmm. that is back home and that's a sacrifice but you're creating a better life for yourself and your family and i think that's very admirable. I love that. It's very inspiring.
1: And truly it's not a, actually a sacrifice. Like even today my kid was telling people like, "Oh, yeah, my mom's going to go work in Paris and Italy." Like she just thinks it's the best thing ever and like for her to see that there is no ceiling is the best thing ever. I love that. So I mean, taking on less clients is also giving me more time with her. So I truly have more time and more quality time with my family now than I have ever had even though I'm traveling constantly. Like I get the best of both worlds and like, and her having time alone with her dad is amazing. Like that is so good for the relationship and for her. And like, they get to go on their adventures. Like it's a really beautiful balance of things. So like, I truly don't feel like it's any kind of sacrifice. So, I mean, yeah, I think everybody just has to like figure out their way in it. Like, If you look for the challenges, you're going to find them, right? But if you look for the solutions and you look for the opportunities, you're also going to find them. And you know it too, when you're having a bad day and you walk around with a bad day face, you attract all sorts of bad things. And you're like, oh, this is the worst day ever. But is it the worst day ever? Or did you just have an affinity and keep drawing those people in versus like, okay, well, that sucked. I'm going to hitchhike now. And like, you meet the best people ever. And uh, yeah. Well,
0: before we press record, like I was sharing with you, like I...
1: Oh, I thought you meant we haven't pressed record yet.
0: (laughs) No, we have definitely been recording all of this. So. (laughs) Okay, good. I would hope so by uh, this many episodes in that I know what I'm doing. But uh, <laughs> before we started this podcast episode, I was sharing with you just some of the challenges I had today. And it was kicked kick to the gut. Mm-hmm. And that happens. But, you know, I could dwell on it and and stay in that mode, I guess, or that mood. Mm-hmm. Or I can just, like, brush it off and be like, yeah, that sucks. You know what? It's unfortunate. But you know what? It is what it is. And you move on. And it's like, okay, yeah. it's you can't base everything off of just one experience or one instance, like life is full of a million different little moments. I
1: agree. And you kind of have to just trust too. Like if something happens that like you're disappointed that that didn't work out that way, but now you're pushed in a different direction and like those things would have never happened. The person you meet, the the job you take or all the ripple effects of all that stuff, like you kind of really just have to bounce around and just trust that like the universe is not out to get you. Like it's just not going to happen that way. Like that's just not, that makes no sense. (laughs) Like like, you kind of just have to not fight it and just be like, all right, let's do that.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, no, this has been amazing. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you because I knew going in that we weren't going to just talk about surface level stuff. And I think learning more about like your process and your thoughts, just about life in general and how you approach everything. I think it says a lot about who you are and what your company stands for i'm really curious to know moving forward like what are you really excited about for 2023 and beyond i know you've got some travel coming up that we just uh, alluded to a little bit ago but uh i'm curious to know what else you're really excited about
1: oh geez in february i'm gonna be with amy bond in at the rockefellers one of the rockefellers estates in england at the dairy. That's going to be outrageous. So I hate you. I, <laughs> I don't actually hate you. It's going to be the most incredible thing. Like I love it. I reached out and I was like, Hey, I want to do this. And she's like, let's do this. So I'm going to be there on the Rockefeller's property. And uh, that's surreal. So <laughs> I'm really excited about that. I've got weddings that are coming up. So there's California in July, really. And all my couples even here, like sometimes they're like, Oh, you're just like, I can't believe you're doing our wedding. It's such a little wedding compared to what you're doing. And like, I really love these people. Like I'm excited for all those things. 2024 inquiries are super weird across the board, across the entire globe for wedding planners. Super weird. It's a weird lull because of the way people were dating during COVID. And now it's given us this weird year. So a little bit weird and a little bit like...
0: In what sense?
1: Like inquiries. Like we used to get a ton of inquiries all through engagement season, which is November to February or December to February would be like mayhem for inquiries. That didn't happen. People have gone months without any inquiries. It's just normal across the bo- industry and across the world. Like, when I talk to my colleagues in Europe, they're saying the same thing. So it's a weird time. And you're kind of like, again, I only need six couples in the entire planet to want me. So I'm not that worried about it. And it'll come when it comes. And when it does, I'll be available. <laughs> I'm excited even about, like, just refining the processes between now that I understand more about the luxury world and what they want, just refining my processes between now and then. So when they come, it's just constantly, like, knocking them off their socks. I'm excited about that but that uh Rockefeller property that's gonna be something
0: <laughs> for sure and I'm curious to know do, do you have like a, a starting price that like I won't work for less than this now
1: yeah
0: I think you've moved up a little further since uh four hundred dollars oh um my
1: well my even now my base is still quite low to be honest it's 13.5 I don't like usually my weddings are more than that anyways but 13.5 is the lowest that's the most like I mean for to do, take on a job, or take on somebody's wedding, and for it to be reflective of the service I offer, that's what the lowest would be. So thirteen five is my base, and then I'm a percentage-based uh, p- uh, producer. So depending on what their budget is, is how much they'd spend. Um, and so whatever their wildest dreams are, I'm along for that ride. I find that that way, it's the most transparent way of pricing contracts, because it's 100%. It's whatever we're putting in. It's just transparent for the service that we're offering and the things that we're taking care of. So... I'm really happy with that model and I'm grateful. I've learned about that recently in the last like eight months or so. So, yeah.
0: Do you have a mentor out there that you really look up to?
1: Oh, I look up to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot, lots. I don't even know where to start. Like, lots. There's so many people out there that don't even realize they're my mentor. <laughs> like, I follow their podcasts like religiously, and they're, they have no idea I exist. Thank yeah. you.
0: You're so kind. I have. Yeah,
1: yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have no idea I exist. Probably. Well, some of them do because I make sure they know I exist. But um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> hear me roar.
1: I really have an affinity to um, people who've come from like not luxury lifestyle backgrounds because obviously we're on the same the same journey. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but really it. And now
0: I just, a lot, a lot. I love it. You just, you just take a little bit from everyone, right? Yes. I always like to end things on a lighter note. Uh, not that this has been uh, dark at all. <laughs> it's been a, such an inspirational uh, conversation that we've had, but, and I know you talked about like the hitchhiking story, which uh, I'm sure <laughs> b- raised a few eyebrows uh, when listening to this, but are there any other like funny stories along the way through your travels that, you're like I can't believe I, I got myself in this situation.
1: Oh yeah, actually, last last May, I was doing a. I was in Vegas. I hate Vegas with a passion, but I loved producing in Vegas. I just come off this two million dollar wedding. I'm like walking the strip. I hate Vegas. I hate the mentality of it. I don't. I just don't love that energy, that craziness. I love the production side of it, but then once you get on the strip, it's a whole different beast. So I'm like walking down the street. I'm like ready to cry like I just I spent probably most of the time crying because I'm like I can't believe what I'm looking at around here at, like in Vegas but once you get into your element it's fine but so as I'm walking down I'm like I'm gonna get a coffee I'm gonna jump on the plane, going home never coming back to Vegas <laughs> So I go to this coffee shop and there's these two guys getting coffee and they're like hey do you like Vegas and I'm like no not really <laughs> and I they're like oh what, what did you wish you had and I so I wish I would have been able to see lighting production and just like really grand installs and like that kind of thing because like, for me, that's what I wanted to learn more about. I was so glad to be there. And it was a gorgeous, like, drop-dead gorgeous wedding. And, But I wanted to learn. I wanted to see things outside of my scope. And I didn't necessarily see that. And they're like, okay, well, why don't you come to work with us? And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. That makes sense. <laughs> so I canceled my flight from my phone right there. I called home. I was like, I'm not coming home. I didn't book my return flight either because I had no idea what I was doing. So they're like, okay, well, come to work with us right now. So we start walking. And I'm like, where do you guys work, by the way? And they're like, America's Got Talent. <laughs>
0: No, no big deal, right? Like, yeah.
1: So they take me to work with them. I get to learn all about lighting design and the way they rig and their install. I got to, there's this one scene where it's a, it's a man with down syndrome. He's a beautiful piano player and he's, there's a scene where he's on stage and the lights come down and it makes this really intimate, beautiful setting um, in this gigantic grand theater. I press that button. So that's my claim to fame.
0: <laughs> that's incredible.
1: Yeah. The whole thing. Like, so that was neat.
0: Oh, my God. It seems like every trip, like there's something, which is, is cool. It's really cool because these these aren't planned events. These things just happen, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, it's just putting yourself in those positions, right? Yeah. How can people find you? What's the best way of uh, people reaching out to you?
1: We're refining our site now, but uh, we just kind of soft launched our website. So it's sugarplumevents.com. Instagram is another really great place. So it's at events, So they can find me on Instagram, DM me, whatever. We're friendly.
0: <laughs> she doesn't bite. Yeah,
1: <laughs> come find me. We'll be friends, I promise.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun, Nicole. I mean, we talk on a regular basis anyway, mm-hmm. and I've been really looking forward to getting you on the podcast because I really wanted people to really see the side of you that I've seen over the last few years since getting to know you. And I think it's just really inspirational. And as I said to you earlier this year, weddings aside, you're one of my all time favorite people in the world. So,
1: oh, geez stop it. I feel that way about you. During COVID, you reached out, didn't have a clue who anybody was. And you're like, hey, times are tough. Do you guys need a video? Let's do a video of you and help your business. Yeah. And I thought the world of you right then and there. I was like, anything you need, I'm going to help this guy.
0: <laughs> Community over competition, as I always yeah. say. I
1: thought that was the best thing ever. We still well, haven't done a video, but I still love you. Yeah. Like yeah. I still well, have I na- mean, you're always out of country. I mean, I can't I have not made the time to do this video, but it just goes to show how much I care for
0: you. I put an apple tank on yeah, you. Yeah,
1: that's right. Goes to show how much I care for you. <laughs> I still think that we'll, we'll make it
0: happen. We'll make it happen. <laughs> so we always know where to find each other in the end. So that's right. But it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure, Nicole. Uh safe travels this year. And uh, we'll keep in touch and I hope everyone listening to this uh, will feel inspired to uh, create their own journey, no matter what background they came from.
1: I agree. Thank you.
0: Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Alberta Wedding Podcast. Each week, I will pull back the veil and introduce you to the faces behind the brands that you love in Alberta. Your feedback matters. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review and let me know what you think of this episode. Until next week, stay well and be merry.